Hi, I'm Larry, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things technology and how it affects the various aspects of our lives. So today I'll be speaking to Emmanuel Bediakon Ado Yirenchi. He is a, a former Prisekan, or do I say current Prisekan? <laughs> yeah, that was good, so former Prisekan, right? Um, mm-hmm. University of Ghana. He did his MBA. Um, he did some MBA course at Yale, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He went to the University of Ghana. He went to MEST. He was a founder at ClaimSync. He worked at um, he was as a software engineer at Genki. He was a product manager at Elfaba. He's smiling at me because I'm sure he's wondering, where did he get all that information from? Well, thankfully, the internet. <laughs> so now that we've gotten all the internet stuff away, when I mention your name, most people can Google you. Could you kindly tell us three things about you that most people can't find from the internet? Because I just Googled you and I found all these things. That's, that's a big one. Uh, three things about me that you won't find on the internet. Um, that's a tough one. I think everything is virtually online lately. So it's a bit tough to, to give you something that's not online. Um, so I, I come from... I come from a small village called Kwamoso, which is in the eastern region. You will never find that on the internet. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, that's where my dad comes from. Uh, what else? And the last of seven, you won't find that on the internet as well. And uh, what else? Yeah, my first language was actually French. So my that was my, that's what I spoke first. Even before tree or English or anything. So yeah. Or gun. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. I hope you are still fluent in French. Somewhat, somewhat. I'm hoping to pass through a Francophone country country to just like like remember remind myself of all these tenses and, and some of the you know there's lingua and some nuances in languages. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping to just yeah, do that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, these are things I never knew about you. So, Emmanuel is also, uh, if anybody has listened to my previous podcast with um, Isaac, he was a co-founder with Isaac at ClaimSync. Now, could you tell us about ClaimSync from your perspective? Because I want to know how you finally, okay, let me not get ahead of myself. What do you do now? Yeah, so so now I'm a I'm a program manager at uh, Microsoft. Uh, I'm based in. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Is yeah. Program manager. Yes, program manager at Microsoft. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm based in Tallinn, Estonia. Um, I work within the engineering services experience team, which is in the engineering services pipeline team. So, um. So basically coming up with solutions that help improve the productivity of engineers across um, one of our organizations, which is IC3, which I can explain. <laughs> okay. okay, so you mentioned program manager. What is a program manager? So a program manager is essentially, so 
it comes from the it's older lingo of of what a product manager essentially is. But um, the distinction in Microsoft between a product manager and a program manager is typically a program manager manages uh, a portfolio of products. And that tends to mean that at specific points in time, um, they may work across horizontals. So across a series of vertical products, so across a horizontal. So it may, what that may mean is um, you'd have to work with a few, several products by all program managers to like drive a theme, not necessarily a product. Even though for now, so depending on your level that may, or your organization, that may vary, but that's the theme. Typically when they say product manager at, at Microsoft, it means you're managing a very specific product um, I think it's more common in the consumer side and then also the hardware side, where that's where there's products managers at Microsoft. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I never knew there was a distinction like that. Yeah, there, there's obviously. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I, I have known you for a while now, so maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but. I also know that you were at Glimsync. Can you tell us your journey? And I, 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 for now, let's start with the romanticized version. How did you get from Presec to Microsoft? And for those of you who don't know, Presec is a secondary school, a senior high school in Ghana. And I'm sure most people will kill me, but they claim it's one of the best schools in Ghana. So that should tell you this is a very smart person I'm talking to. <laughs> but then the, still, the question is, how did you get from Presec to Microsoft? Yeah, yeah, it's strange. I've had a conversation today and someone asked me something similar. So, uh, how do you get from perspective? So, so I, I actually, at Presec, I did science. Uh, I did uh, chemistry, biology, physics, math, elective math. Um, and when I did that, the, the following in my almost my brother's footsteps, my, I have an elder brother who I sort of mimicked, and, and I have an uncle who also went to Presec. So if you if you think about it, I should have been legacy, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no such thing. Anyways, but yeah. So um, so after when I did uh, this science at Presec, what what was the natural direct fit was going to medical school. Um, and at the University of Ghana, there was this whole justify your inclusion thing where you do the first year and second year. So I did do that, went through, ah, we were told during my time that instead of the first two years of uh, your grades, you end up using your first year. That's when we did the change. It was a drastic change. Went for interviews, didn't get in. So um, ended up doing biochemistry. Um, which was pretty challenging in itself. But the other thing about biochemistry is it taught me how to think in a very structured uh, and, and really chemistry as a whole. So the whole moving from one step to the other and thinking logically about the next step. So that was good. So after that, how I ended up at MIST is actually pretty interesting because uh, I was helping people out with their laptop, fixing their laptops and different problems that they had in class, in my biochem class. Uh, 
and a, a girl who's who I owe I owe probably a few lunches and dinners and I, I always tell I could see how cranks may do. I hope she hears this someday because I owe her. So she was I don't know if she was dating or she was a guy one of the mess EITs who was ahead of us was trying to get at her. So basic but basically she was like oh Imano you're really good at this IT thing and it's something I'd been doing all my life because my mom for different reasons. But yeah. So you should look at this program, this mess program. It's it's a super interesting. We're thinking about what to do with national service. And, and I was like, yeah, it sounds interesting. So I applied. And once I applied, I got in. How once I got in, really, it, I think it started from understanding that this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, reaching, learning from my peers, um, Isaac, Seth, Ebenezer, my co-founders, Bedru, my roommate, Wilson, and, and really understanding that aside from like the lectures, there was a lot of learning that was happening between ourselves, like between, amongst the students that we were learning from each other and, and really learning so I, I, I focused a lot on UI UX uh, loved design um, loved building easy to use solution carrying out user research loved a lot started loving backend as well um, so I, I really tried to learn as much as I could and fortunately for me we're able to raise um um funding to to start claim sync initially there were so many different ideas there was an emr there was uh there was there was a survey application there was um there's so many different things there's ticketing there's so many different ideas that we toyed around but then, at the end of the day we thought of the fact that of all the problems that exist in africa like we all had different interactions with the healthcare space. And we felt like that was a problem that was worth solving. And that like, we didn't want to work on something that felt like eh, people could live without. We wanted to really, really, really make a difference. And that has sort of moved with me to have, if it's not making a difference, probably not worth doing for me. So yeah, so. That's 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 that that's how I've moved from Presec to hey William to Microsoft. You said, you know, no, oh, to so it's, fine, it's fine. I mean, it's been a lengthy yeah, so, yeah. to ClaimSync. So then, cool. after ClaimSync, how was the ClaimSync days? Because um, I have never started a company myself, but I've had the luxury, the fortunate luxury of watching people do it <laughs> and acting like I knew what it was about. So. I think it's kind of tough. What were some of the experiences you got from ClaimSync? Running ClaimSync, I'm guessing um, with startups, one of the biggest problems is always money, all those things. Like, how was it? Uh, I think the toughest part was uncertainty. And we had to get used to uncertainty. Like, when you start, it's like all these customers that you spoke to when you were planning to start this business, Oh yeah, we'll use it. We'll use it. We'll we we'll, we'll, we'll use it. We we're committed. They some even signed, uh, what's it called? They signed some agreements with us beforehand. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and use it like statements of interest. 
But then let's say once you you actually commit to doing that, everybody's like finicky. It's like, yeah, my boss said this, my boss said that. And it takes a long time to get like traction. And people need to understand that if you ask, if you're in a business and it needs to be like, you need to be serious. Another thing that um, became really quickly apparent was that the, the money we had raised because of how long the sales cycle was, the amount of money we had raised would probably not last as long as we thought it would. Uh, so um, we, we had to make adjustments. And that's a, like, another great thing is that I think I was fortunate, almost blessed. My co-founders and I had a good understanding that we're in it for the long haul. So when we had discussions about cutting salaries and and making rational decisions, even though we're at different places in life, right? Like in, in our personal lives. And we all had like parents that, that's the thing. We we had parents that we were looking after because we had finished school. Like, it's like, you don't just yeah. go home and just like, I finished school, I'm living my life. No, you, you have to give back home. Anyways, so what became really apparent is that we had to cut some salaries so that we'd have a longer runway so that we'd be able to achieve some of the things we said we would achieve. And uh, that's another lesson. And then really being flexible with your business model, understanding that, Charlie, the idea that you start with is not the idea that you end with at all. Like, it's probably going to be something completely different and being okay with that. And then yeah, so that that's sort of what we ended up like iterating over and playing around with, and then okay, yeah, that's it. Okay, so then from claims saying, actually, I'm tasting this based off of your LinkedIn profile. So from claims saying, <laughs> you ended up at uh, Genki, right? Yes, that was yes. the, the acquisition place. Mm-hmm. To be honest, there are a lot, every time we keep talking, I'm like, hmm, I finally got to the chance to ask him everything I wanted to ask him when I was in high school. <laughs> Sorry, uni. <laughs> I was in uni. So I told Isaac that I was like, when I was in uni and mm-hmm. you guys were graduating, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to see those that's like, wow, Charlie, they are building a software company in Ghana. So for me, having a conversation with you and um, I know people tell me not to do this, but having the luxury of having your number on my phone, it's like, Charlie, I'm making it a life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's back in uni, looking at this, I'm like, Charlie, they are doing all these things. Anyway, so um, based off of that, and that, knowing that knowing that you transitioned to Genki, right? How was that before co-founder to employee? Was it tough? Because <laughs> I'm guessing you were calling the shots. Then all of a sudden, someone called the shots because I mean, after the acquisition of the Sync by Jenki, you became an employee. How was that? So, so yeah, there was a bit of an adjustment because it's like your decision making takes a bit longer. There's another additional step, and if you are not like, you need to be flexible in your thinking in the, and understand like the situation that you found yourself in with this acquisition. So for example, I was, so as a product designer, I was doing a lot of designs and also from building in essentially all the user interface at, at CleanSync. Um, but when we, when we moved to Genki, 
I ended up doing a lot of that for the Genki team. But then I had to sort of check in with the product manager who would check in with Eindhoven. Eindhoven was at the office in Eindhoven in, in the Netherlands. And then they would check in and let me know that it's okay before we proceed. So there was that delay. And basically things that I would probably not have mocked up and gone straight to implementing, I'll have to mock up, write design documentation and explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it was a lot, that, that was the big, biggest change. Um, and then also the, the other big change was technology because we were using, yeah, we're using Java, we're using, uh, we weren't using prime faces, we were using Hibernate, the front end was basically jQuery. I, I was not thinking too, uh, so long term about how we're building it because I was thinking, okay, yes, no matter what, we we'll probably have to rebuild it and rebuild it and rebuild it because I, in my mind, it was very agile. We had to get it out as quickly as possible. But a Jenki, that was something that was different. They were thinking about, okay, we need to build it in a specific structure so that it can be reused. So all these different things came to play. And I, that's where I learned a lot about uh, building reusable components, building reusable code, uh, thinking in an agile, agile way so that, and a lot of documentation, spending a lot of time on documenting your code so that you even know, so your, your, your idea so that other people can pick up and then splitting up code so that different teams can build. Because there was a team in Eindhoven, there was a team in Accra, there was a team in India somewhere. And all of us were building the same solution. So um, collaboration was a big deal, more of a big deal. So yeah, there, was a, there were a few lessons learned there and it was super interesting. Jenki was where I, I really understood the Agile Scrum methodology and, and knew that I, I sort of wanted to become a PM because I was like, hmm, I end up doing this. It's, it's essentially what I'm doing, but I'm actually implementing the code as well. Hmm. As a... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, Interesting. so then when then that's when you move to um as a product manager at uh M, uh, M Pharma, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I am maybe I'm being selfish here. I mean I I, I experienced the M Pharma days because we're we're there together. Now yeah. so I want to skip the M Pharma days no, because no, I'm being yeah. selfish. Now no from M Pharma Right, I'm pretty sure somebody wants to hear this. How did you end up at Microsoft? <laughs> and so more I, interestingly, more interestingly, um, first of all, how do you end up at Microsoft? But if you could make it a bit more specific as to how you ended up structuring your profile and everything to either be met by a headhunter or going out, I don't know how it happened, but um, from a biochemistry background to a software developer to a PM to Product uh, manager, <laughs> or product. The terms are very confused, but you get a picture. How do you structure yourself such that you stood out from the crowd? <laughs> I think that's the best way I can describe what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I when I, I started looking at the profiles of um, other pro product managers that I, I I thought were doing an amazing job, and and I, I and Medium was a big help for doing that. So reading a lot of medium blogs about growth strategies around user interface design around uh, defining a product vision. 
So I read around around a lot of blog posts to understand what product managers were doing um, internationally. And then another thing that are the companies that I I, I love. So Facebook, Google, um, I love Lemonade. Lemonade is an insurance company. It's one of my dream companies uh, because of ClaimSync and everything that's related to it. So, um, um, so I, I loved, so there, there were a few companies I kept reading around what they were doing and what they are CPOs and, um, and technical leads were doing. So in doing all of that, I think a pattern emerged for me. And the pattern was that you would have an engineer who, who's, who's built solutions, gone through uh, a, a role and then typically it's either they, 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 go, they do a business course, a, a, a sort of a business related course or a data course. And then they end up um, joining one of these big courses. Uh, so that's how it was. So I thought about it really carefully and thought about how to structure my CV to, to match this. And, and that's why I ended up going to business school. So I ended up going to business school whilst I was at M-Pharma. Um, we were doing a lot at M-Pharma that was relevant, relevant experience, uh, user research, a lot of vision driving, working with the engineers. Um, all that part was in the, like in my day-to-day already. So it's really about communicating what I was doing in a day-to-day in a way that would make me stand out as, a, as an applicant. So I, when I did the MBA, there were opportunities to do courses at Harvard and MIT and Yale. And so I, I took those opportunities and um, thinking about how to accelerate an organization, how to use data, um, how to communicate user problems. And, and, and then another thing that I ended up doing was I started talking a bit more about what I was doing. So I gave talks at product school. Uh, I gave talks at iSpace. I gave talks at uh, Habakra. Um, so people sort of noticed the, the, that I was not only, co- I was contributing. So based off that, I, I always said I'll write blog posts. I, I still haven't gotten enough time to do it. Uh, but I, I, I will, I will, I will. Um, so yeah, so when, once I did that, then it was really about applying for for positions and i was fortunate to um get headhunted by transferwise who are looking for a product manager for middle east and africa and amazingly all the experiences that i had had at m pharma claimsync janky sort of aligned because they wanted someone to lead the team they wanted someone to manage third-party integrations which we're doing with hygiene and whatnot manage the uh, third-party integrations with EcoBank and whatnot, things we were doing anyway. So it was like, okay, and Flutterwave, who were, exactly. So all these different integrations that we were thinking about and discussing and and sort of spearheading. So all those things fell in line. And then at the end of the day, I ended up joining TransferWise. So TransferWise, things were great. Uh, and that's how I ended up in Estonia. Um, so they moved me to Estonia, TransferWise, and, and things were great. I think I learned more in a year 
I transferized and I did it three years as a farmer. And that's no disrespect <laughs> to anyone. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I understand, I but at the same time, I'm sharing this with Greg. <laughs> I, that's fine. Like, like, at the end of the day, I think the pace, the, it's really about understanding the different phases of a startup and and how things can accelerate at different paces depending on where they are. So I was at I was at Wise right before they went for an IPO. So the pace at which things were moving and the demand oh. of of change of things and and through a pandemic, um, working from home, working remotely with a team that's di- distributed across. Uh, the US, UK, and uh, Australia, like it was, it was truly a, a big learning experience for me. And I launched one of the biggest projects of my career there. So that's, that was really cool. Um, Can you tell, tell us about the project? I know this is derailing, but uh, if ah, not, provided the non, the one with no NDA, yes, the, yeah, the, sure. WISE, the project you launched at WISE. Yeah, so I was, I was fortunate to launch the, uh, provide customers in the UAE the ability to send money from the UAE to anywhere in the world. So that was huge. So um, at the time, it was the biggest launch at TransferWise in 2020. Yes. So and it was four months after I joined. So I joined in, in December 2019. By March, uh, we were launching UAE. I've like the moving pieces and it's really tested everything that I, I, it tested everything that I had, but it was successful. Um, we're moving a significant amount of money out of the UAE every day. Um, um, and to all over the world. And then there were a few others like making transfers to Turkey instance. And all of that happened within like within the, that, within the span of a year, working with multiple different bank and regulatory partners um having these high level discussions and then going down to describe in very high detail what needed to be implemented and then yes also working on with um partners in africa to make transfers to ghana instance which was awesome eventually uh also working on on transfers to uganda and tanzania using the same partner so it's it's nice. There's nothing more pleasurable than being able to use your own technology and having seen it work and going like, yeah, I, I contributed to that. So there's, yeah, so it's, it's cool. And 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 also working with like a really diverse team, like really from all over the world. And that's sort of what um, I enjoy as well. So. Okay. So now the final piece of the puzzle from Wise. It's not from that's not enough on the Y. So from Y yeah. to Microsoft, how did that move happen? Yeah. So December twenty. It's all blurry now, but yeah, like <laughs> December twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Recruiter reached out and they were like, "Yeah, we're we're Teams is blowing up. Um, Microsoft Teams is blowing up. Um, we're recruiting." in the 
we've seen your profile. Uh, we're recruiting in the Microsoft Development Center in Estonia. We need a program manager to manage uh, a team, a product, not a team. So, so we need a program manager, program manager to manage a program. And basically, went I went through the interview, and really, what, for them, I think one thing that was that made the difference for me between Wise and 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 Microsoft was really about the size of the impact, and and that's what's like that's sort of been the what I've been using as sort of to make a decision. So the question I ask myself is, if I can spend one hour of my day to have impact, would I want to have it in where I could have slightly less impact or slightly more impact? At the end of the day, the same hour of my day will probably be spent. So that's sort of the decision that that made it really easy for me. So moving to Microsoft is working on a product that affects the lives of billions, essentially, uh, as, as opposed to millions and as opposed to thousands. It's, it's exactly, so it's thinking And let me guess, in, one, in a short while at Microsoft, you've learned so much more than at Wise. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes, that's exactly That's it. great, like, that's great. <laughs> like, there's, there's a structure that comes with um, working at a really, really big company. And yeah, but like where you are, even though you are working in a company and it, it tends to feel like the decisions seem to come from higher up, you can influence the decisions by presenting your case in a, in a good way. If you are able to communicate the problem, the solution, the impact, it's very easy for people to buy in and for you to be able to build a product. I, I, I feel like, and, and there's a lot of support, there's a lot of, um, there's an enabling environment. And because of the way Satya, the CEO, I'm saying Satya like I know him. The way he said I was like, okay, I think he has a special contact. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, uh, we, but yeah, that's yeah. the way he sets himself up. Like, the way Satya like speaks about growth mindset and the 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 opportunity to learn and continuously learn and and to uh, to to be very clear about what you don't know and going on to learn it. Um, so it it gives the opportunity for people to to contribute to the vision of Microsoft, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay. That's, that's great. So one or two other questions, two other questions. Okay. One is if you can tell us a little bit more about what exactly, I know you said a lot about Microsoft, what you're doing there, how you got there, but if you could elaborate a bit more on the intelligent conversations and communications cloud, that's what you currently do. And mm -hmm. without actually breaking any NDA, because I can't even afford a lawyer. <laughs> And I know you're too smart to do that. So just the mm -hmm. high level stuff on what you do there. Yeah. So so uh, at the high level, we so my organization, uh, the IC3, which is Internet Intelligent Communications and Conversations Cloud. It's quite a mouthful, but it's it's yeah. So what what we do is provide the backbone for. Um, products such as Skype in Microsoft Teams. So um, whenever 
a message is being sent. There's teams that are working on messaging, there's teams that are working on um, video, uh, teams that are working on, 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 on web RTC. So that's essentially all the technologies that end up making your communications tool to work is what we're working on. In addition to that, there's a new aspect where we're essentially providing um, solutions for healthcare, like anyone to plug into and build applications using that technology. And that's what we're calling uh, Azure Communication Services. So that in, if you want to build uh, an SMS solution, uh, a voice over IP solution, you can plug into Azure to have access to all these to build your own uh, solutions. So that's it. So it's thinking about um, the tools that we provide in Microsoft Teams and Skype, and then uh, supporting those, and then making those available to organizations across the whole world. And that's really, that's the thing, the scale at which uh, Microsoft is operating in this space uh, is, is <laughs> compared to that. And all these things are not known. You, you think, oh yeah, Twilio, uh, Slack, or even what else? Uh, MessagePad. There's so many different companies trying to, I mean, it's not they're trying, they're doing these things, but Microsoft is a pretty big player. In, in the space as well. No NDA broken. So. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, I never knew that. So then my other question is, if you were speaking to a young Persecan like yourself, I'm sorry, an ex, you are mm -hmm. a former Persecan, talking about a young Persecan, let's say for some reason, someone in Ghana hears about this podcast, literally this Persecan, the Microsoft right you. What's up? Like, what would you tell them? Basically, a, a, an advice. Let me rephrase the question. What advice would you give to a younger person or a younger person who hears about you, sees your profile, is like, "Wow, I want to get there one day." Yeah, that's a. It's a tough one. Like, <laughs> it's a tough one. Like, there's, there's one. I I would tell them that they would have to. If it's something they want to do, they just have to apply themselves and it will work out. They need to believe first and foremost that it's it's possible. It can happen. If I yes, <laughs> if I've been able to do it, then then there's no way they can't do it. And 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 this is only a means to an end. It's not the end for me. So like, and the other advice I would give them is like to learn when i say learn i don't mean stay behind books and what i mean by that is learn from people learn from experiences learn from um and and go out there and break things make things break things try things um um try to build different things and and I think there's there's so much more that we learn by doing than we learn by learning. So interact with different people and and learn from them. That's another way. And then the last thing I'll say is understand that everything will be fine. I think it's it's okay. sometimes we stress, Charlie. We stress, and 
I think more and more, I'm, I'm more mindful of, I'm asking myself, why was I so worried back in the day? But I'm basically, it says, I don't know if it's a statement of faith or I don't know, but like everything will be fine and they just need to take it easy once in a while, but then just keep working at it. They should not rest at the, it, it, once they are working, they should work hard, but then also take time to rest. Yeah. Okay. Then I know I said my last question, but I'm Ghanaian, so and my last question. This is actually the last one. Last one. You okay. mentioned that whilst at the how do you call it? Cleansing, right? You were now out of school, you were working, and then you had to give back. By give back, you know, send old girls some coins, send old boys some coins, that kind of thing. And yeah. I know some people there was a rant on Twitter some time back about African tax right mm-hmm. basically they'll be like when people finish school and they'll be taxing people and stuff like that personal this is my personal opinion i am all for african tax because i benefited from it it is because mm-hmm. someone like yeah my dad did his part but some uncle somewhere some cousin somewhere mm-hmm. and that's why today me too i can be in abroad mm-hmm. and be calling people right so mm-hmm. if me too i become somebody there i have to give back right mm-hmm. now i've ranted a lot but then the, here comes the question what would you tell a young entrepreneur who also has to deal with African tax? So, so it, it must be done. It must be done. Like there's no like there's no option. Like you can go or like you can bend over backwards and try to think about it in different ways. Like I don't think our, our parents are, ask, are asking money from us because they are being mean or they're being selfish. They they're asking because they need them. They need these money. It's like, let's be realistic. Like, our, our parents' retirements are not like the money they make during retirement is not great if they have it. That's even if they have retirement, if they had like formal jobs that they could get some retirement money. Um, they basically all the investment they made in you is their retirement policy the lottery ticket that they're hoping will come through and um another thing is we know that our families are not as nuclear as we would think they are there's so many different dependents for different reasons that our parents have to take care of and 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 support and all we can do if and and sometimes when i hear this tax elements it baffles me the reason i'm saying this is when when you send your mom and i'm being when you send your mom or your dad let's say 200 euro a month that's if it's 200 euro when she has that it makes so much more of a difference in her life when you spend you can spend 200 euro on a pair of shoes and you will or even a headset a headset and you, you, you don't feel the pinch, but when you send it to a, a relative, then all of a sudden it's like, it's outrageous. I think we need to ask ourselves, like, what, what, what do we, what is the alternative? Is it that we would not send anything and live our, our lives with that extra 200? That would, will probably not make a difference and watch our relatives die in squalor. Charlie, nah, we can't, <laughs> it's all right. Like, we have to also remember that you're right. I'm also a beneficiary of. I remember when my brother used to send. I have a big brother who I owe everything to. My big brother 
bought me uh, a compact laptop right out of uni. No, I was in uni. I was in uni. I told him I needed it for my project work. He bought it and sent it to me. I used, and that's how I kept up my skills that I was using to help people because I'm still familiar with like the, the thing. And that's like today I work at my, he laughs and says, you, is it because of the laptop? That's what he says. But yeah, it is. It is because of like, we, we, we don't have the luxury of this. This is our way of giving back. And if it's instead of, and, and I'm going to say something that's really controversial, and I'll say it here because, fuck, like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm irritating your podcast. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Hopefully, if you can you say or listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, would you rather give that money to some pastor that you don't know what he's going to use the money for? Look, think about how much money you are giving to churches and religious organizations. <laughs> Yet we find it so hard to give to our own parents and our relatives. <laughs> Charlie, we should stop that thing. Anyways, I've rented. Now I'm still rented. Okay, okay. Anyway, thank you so much for having you on this podcast. And mm-hmm. one thing I picked from what she said is, um, is this. And if any investor hears about this or ever listens to this podcast, I, I think our African system is different from maybe European systems. And I feel like there are lots of great startups that can come out from Africa. And sometimes when investors are investing, they should invest in the mindset that the African system is different and perhaps make sure that the co-founders are gainfully employed. And while they are taking off the African tax, they are taking care of themselves, they would end up building that billion dollar company we all want to see. Anyway, yeah. my two cents. <laughs> hey, I think you've summarized it in a very political way, but it's a very good, good job. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. It's been great having you. Thank and you. I honestly wish I, your shadow will allow me to so bring you on board again because I have plenty of questions. The Microsoft Times, yeah, yeah. the uh, Cleansing Days and stuff. But today, yeah, for anytime. some reason, I must intro. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime, so anytime. Yeah. You know, it's a different. All right, thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. It's Larry again. You already know that. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you learned something new, or you discovered something new, or at least you were a bit entertained. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and see you again soon. And if it's the end of the week, do enjoy your week. If it's the end of the day, do enjoy your day. Basically, do have the best of whatever is left of the week or the day. And see you soon. And one more thing. Don't forget to reach out to me via email, via Twitter, to be able to tell me how I can improve this podcast to make it better and much more entertaining for you. See you next time.